Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 72 of the Real Food Mamas podcast. On today's show, Ilana is going to share her birth story. I love hearing birth stories, so I'm so excited to hear hers again. Even though I've heard it before, I know she'll share some new insights with me, and I can't wait for you to hear this. So for new listeners, we'd like to take a minute and introduce ourselves. I'm Stephanie Gorinke, a registered dietitian who's passionate about helping women rock their pregnancy and postpartum. I'm a mother of two active boys and the co-creator of Whole30's Healthy Mama Happy Baby program. You can read my weekly blogs and learn more about my online pregnancy program, Healthy Mama Happy Baby, at mamas, M-A-M-A-S, dot whole30.com. I also work with clients virtually through my private practice, rockyourhormones.com. You can follow me on Instagram at rockyourhormones, where I share my favorite ingredient meals and helpful resources for mamas and mamas-to-be. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Dr. Ilana Romel. Hi, so great to be back, Stephanie. Uh, I am Dr. Ilana Romel, and I'm a naturopathic doctor, founder of Nourish Medical Center, and most importantly, a mama myself. With a passion for pediatrics, I created the Nourish Kids Medicine Kit, so busy mamas can now feel empowered to help their kids feel better fast. To learn more about the Nourish Kids Medicine Kit and my favorite pediatric natural remedies, visit nourishmykids.com. You can follow me and my wellness team by subscribing to our video blog, Nourish TV, or follow me on Instagram at Dr. Ilana Romel, where I share my efficient mama ways. All right, and now we are going to introduce our new segment again, our How Did You Nourish Yourself Today series. And so I'll start. Uh, how did I nourish myself today? I dropped both my kids off at daycare this morning, which has been in the works for quite a long time. We live on a military base, and it, it's really hard to get into daycare here because they subsidize it, and there's so many people in San Diego, so many people that need childcare. I actually put Leo on the wait list when I was in my second trimester of my pregnancy, and he just got in last week. So I've been taking him for a couple of hours. I pushed him a little bit longer today than what I was ready for. Um, but this is the next step for me in learning to let go, learning to uh, you know get back into doing what I love with my career and knowing that my children are safe and they're loved and supported and knowing that I can give myself grace if I decide that this isn't for me and I want to spend more time with them. So this is a huge transition for me personally and professionally and we'll just see how it goes. What about you? Awesome. So that's such a big, a big next step for you. I, I think it's going to be so great. I know how antsy you've been to still create more programs and create new stuff. So now you're going to have this time. So I think it's great for their kids and for yourself. It's wonderful. Um, okay. Something I nourish myself today. I scheduled a massage. I'm so excited, Steph. Ooh. We are moving our medical center to our new space in two weeks and it has been crunch time. Um, any free time I have, which is still limited, I'm talking to contractors, I'm on the phone with Cox, setting up internet or AT&T with phones, and there are so many things going on. We're bringing on three new doctors. There's just so many things. So I was like, I need some me time. And I schedule a massage. I'm really looking forward to it. And that's going to kind of, I think, recenter me and get me back to my balance that I'm kind of craving right now. When was the last time you got one? 
I got one last month, but this is so sad to admit, but I was on this uh, like monthly plan because I knew if I paid for it, I would actually have to go. And I love that kind of game where if it's yeah. paid for, you can't like have an excuse. And right after I had Aviva, I literally built up five massages. I couldn't even believe it. I didn't go for five months and I made myself so wrong about it. And it was actually a good lesson for me to see that, okay, you know, I, I really need to start doing what is important for me, even though I've got a daughter and a business and a husband that needs me. And so I ended up like starting to do like two massages a month, even though it's not happening as you know frequently as I, I would like just to kind of use them up. But I really liked prepaying for them because it really keeps me in integrity to use them. I, I, I recommend that. Are you going to Massage Envy or where are you going? No, I actually go to an acupuncturist near okay. me that um, uh, focuses on prenatal and postpartum health. So I still get postpartum type of massages. I, I like them the most because I'm still prepping for pregnancy. I mean, I want more kids. So I want to make sure that my practitioner is well versed in pregnancy and postpartum care. You know, that's so funny. I actually had a monthly membership when I lived in Monterey, and I had the same thing. I got way too busy, and I forgot about it. I forgot about self-care, and I had a bunch of them banked up. So <laughs> I completely understand what you're talking about. And it was cool, though, because then when I realized I needed to rededicate myself and commit to getting them done, I could get two-hour massages when mm -hmm. I went. And two hours is a little bit long for me, so I would do like an hour and a half. But, yep, I've been there. That's great. My husband would call this a first world problem. I know, right? I know, too many massages. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's so nice to know that they're banked up because when things are stressful, like for yeah. me right now in my life, I know, okay, what can I do? Awesome. I have this massage. Like I don't even have to pay. I've already paid for it. It's just there waiting for me. All I need to do is just pick up the phone and schedule it. And so that's what I did. And it actually felt already, I felt like weight has been lifted off my shoulders just making that appointment. Yeah, well, wonderful. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I was getting one today, too, especially after what we talked about on the phone. Yes. Um, yeah, I have to go pick up Leo. He's having a hard first day um, of his long day, but he'll be okay. We'll get through this. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about your birth story. And I had chills when you told me. I had chills when I read it on paper. And I know our listeners are going to have chills, too, in the best way possible. So to begin, tell us a little bit about what you did to prepare for your pregnancy and your labor. What was your vision? Okay, great. So it's, this is actually a little bit bittersweet, I think, talking about my birth. I had this like incredible vision of my birth. I, I prepped months prior. One of the things I love doing as a naturopathic doctor is I, I talk to patients about their, you know, getting their birth team together and prepping for their birth and what kind of situations and choices they want to make um, as far as vaccines go and, you know, delayed core clamping or not and all these little intricacies that we help, that I help create as part of their birth plan. So I knew when it was my turn to do this that I, I really felt well equipped to make decisions for myself and my family. And... I will say it was actually tougher than I thought. I think having someone else from the outside intervene and really just have someone to talk to about is really helpful. So 
I'll kind of go into a little bit of detail. I did end up choosing a home birth, and I actually wouldn't say that I think it is for everyone, but I thought for me in that time in my life and for my first baby, it was one of the best options that I could have made. And I had this vision that it was going to be fast and it was going to be easy. I like I went into it so excited about it. Um, and we're going to go through the story of what actually happened, but um, I really had a great, great um outlook on my on my birth and um, we'll see you know there's a little hiccups along the way and I think a lot of a lot of new moms can say that same thing so I'm excited kind of to share but as far as how did I prep for it um, things that I did was even a year before I knew I wanted to conceive I started detoxing my body I started tracking my fertility I eat as healthy as possible I checked my nutrient levels. We do um, functional medicine labs here at, at Nourish. And so we did my nutrient levels. I wanted to see my gut health. I wanted to see my adrenal function. I really wanted to see what supplements, what prenatal type of support I wanted to be on a year before even conceiving. And I was just kind of gung-ho about it, so I started. But I would definitely recommend at least three months prior to conception would be an ideal time. And so I just got on an exercise routine, a good diet, a good supplement regime, and I was like ready to go when we were ready. Okay, so what made you decide on having a home birth? What was it that drew you into having that experience? Great. It's a great question, and it's kind of funny. Um, just to share with the listeners, I was pregnant one time before having a Viva, and I miscarried. And this is a very, very common occurrence. And even though I would say I'm incredibly healthy, I really take very good care of myself, this is something that is very real for a lot of women. So I wanted to share that with you. When I was first pregnant with the first baby, I kind of had this intuition that something was wrong or something was off. And in that moment, I actually chose to have a hospital birth as my first during my first pregnancy. I, I didn't think I was going to have a home birth in my first pregnancy. And it was really interesting when I miscarried. I thought to myself, wow, maybe it was just like this intuition that I knew it, it, I wasn't ready for the home birth. And then when I got pregnant again, very shortly after, I mean, there's a lot that women can maybe have a miscarriage and get pregnant right after. I knew like this, this is going to go to term. And then I, I, I switched my mind. I said to my, my husband, Anthony, I'm like, all right, we're going to do a home birth. And he was like, really? Because I thought you wanted to do a hospital birth. And I said, no, with this one, I want to do a home birth. <laughs> and I thought that was really an interesting um, observation for me. And I think it's really important for, as a mom to just listen to your gut and listen to what you believe may be the best for you. Get all the information and get educated, of course, and, and then make that decision based on how you really feel you want your birth to go. But there's no right or wrong way. I mean, who knows? Maybe with my next baby, I choose a hospital. I'm not sure. I do feel like I had a great home birth experience. I'll go into detail of why, but I didn't actually know at first I wanted a home birth right away. So my experience is a little bit different based on the different pregnancies that I've had. Yeah, and you were really intuitive with Aviva. You even knew the time that you conceived. You had a really strong feeling that she was a girl from the get-go. Yeah. So you've been intuitive throughout that whole pregnancy. It was actually fun playing around with that. I just kind of figured, oh, let's just see if I'm right or not. But within three weeks, I knew I was having a baby girl yeah. <laughs> from conception. I didn't even know I was pregnant yet, but I just felt this like feminine energy like overwhelm me. And I'm, I wouldn't call myself like a very girly person, but I felt this like 
girly feminine energy. I'm like, this is not me. This is definitely a baby or someone coming through. Yeah. So I did have that. Then when we confirmed it was a girl, I was like, oh, I already knew that. (laughs) Yeah. And I can't wait for your future pregnancies too, to see if you do have a boy, if you feel any different, if you have less morning sickness, because, you know, I know you experience a lot of that with Aviva. Um, If you feel that more like masculine energy, because you have that in you too, you're very driven and powerful in that sense. So I would love to see. My first pregnancy, I thought for sure it was a boy and I never got far enough in the pregnancy to know if it was. But I felt him so strongly. So yeah, it would be really interesting to see how my future pregnancies go. We'll have to we'll have to take a guess and share. We'll see. No pressure or anything. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your birth team. Who was included? Who did you want there? Who did you not want there? Great. So I took hours designing this. I'm kind of anal like this. I have this all written out. I actually, before this episode, I went ahead and I printed out my birth plan because I thought it would be fun to to look at it again. It's like five pages long. I'm such a dork. So on my birth plan, my team members is what I called. The first one was my husband, of course. <laughs> he had a lot of duties. Um, the second one was my doula. I could not have had my birth go the way it did without my doula. I know um, in prior episodes, you also agree doulas are just such an extraordinary part of the team and help. So I do also recommend that so much. Um, I had a, uh, my midwives, of course, were on my team. I had four midwives that kind of rotated. Um, On my birth team, I also had a videographer. This is kind of neat, but not many people do this, but I have a friend who recorded her whole birth. And when I watched it, it was so inspiring and I was just so in awe of it that I decided I really wanted to have that for myself. So we have this highlighted video of my birth. And honestly, it's so powerful to watch your birth at the end. (laughs) I was so glad I had that. So Brooke was my videographer. She was on my birth team. Um, I had a homeopath. So we're going to go into homeopathy and how that supported me so much during my birth. Um, Gabrielle Tra was my homeopath. And we're going to have the... um, luxury of interviewing her on a future episode because it was such a huge help in my birth. I really want to help empower everyone to um, just be educated and know that homeopathy is a great tool during labor. Um, Another person on my list is a dog sitter. So we have a dog and it was really important that we knew what we were going to do with Murray. Uh, He was actually there for quite a while. I would say probably at least half, if not three quarters of the birth. It was such a huge help for me just to have him by my side, petting him, giving me comfort. He followed me around the entire house. Anytime I locked myself in the bathroom, he sat right by the bathroom door just waiting for me to come out. He was really a great trooper. I would honestly consider him part of my birth team. Um, I know it's kind of silly, but I mean it. They can really Um, lighten the mood. I mean, I remember there being a time during my labor, too, where I was breathing really heavy and loca. My dog was at my side and I was breathing. And you know how you get in that zone? And I didn't really I was my eyes were closed. And I was breathing, just like really deep breaths. And every time I breathe, breath, breathe out, Mm. breathe out, um, her ears would start flapping. So I was blowing so hard. And um, it was just so funny watching her because she was right there by my side, just really wanted to help and support me. And yeah, I I do consider them part of a birth team for sure. But it's good to have somebody there just in case, you know, you don't want to traumatize them either if it doesn't go according to plan. So the dog sitter was just on call. We figured we would call them right away. And I just started noticing in early labor. I'm like, no, I like him around. Like, let's not call them yet. And it was nice when I knew I was able to make the call when I was like, okay, Murray's got to go. And then the dog sitter showed up, they, they brought him, they didn't even come in, someone just walked Murray downstairs and it was done. So just having someone on call was really helpful to us. Yeah. 
Okay, the other person, another person on my um, birth team was my placenta encapsulator. <laughs> she needed to be um, told when I was having late, you know, when I was in labor and then when to come and pick up my placenta. So she was on my, my birth plan. I had an acupuncturist and a chiropractor on call. I never needed to use them. They were kind of just on call in case I needed them. I did have my chiropractor come within 24 hours after having Aviva to adjust me, to um, do some cranial sacral with Aviva. It was really amazing to have a home visit with them. I was really fortunate to have a chi our chiropractor being so close um, in our friendship circle to be able to come. And the last one, I know my list is so long, but man, I loved my team. I felt so supported uh, with my lactation consultant. I had a meeting with my lactation consultant prenatally, so before having Aviva, which was so important to me just to set up what to expect. And then I had her come within 24 hours after having Aviva. She came right to my home. She made sure Aviva was latching. She answered any of my questions. It was so thorough and so helpful. She was my little postpartum angel. I call my midwives and my doula my angels during labor and my lactation consultant my postpartum angel. <laughs> They really are. They really serve a purpose. And I love that you explained that you did that with your lactation consultant because I think it's a really big missing piece. When you are very vulnerable after you have your baby, you don't want to have to be searching high and low for a lactation consultant. And you want to have that rapport with them um, prior to. So if possible, I totally recommend that. And I'm so glad you did it. Thanks. I'm now saying, telling all my patients to do it. And I thought I was kind of crazy when I first called her and I said, hi, I'm so sorry to ask, but I don't even have my baby yet, but I still want to come in early. Is that okay? And she goes, Elon, I'm so glad. Yes, I have a prenatal visit. Not a lot of people take advantage of it, but I do highly recommend it. And now that visit, honestly, it actually helped my, a lot of my fears and a lot of my concerns of breastfeeding um, decrease. I, I thought I... I don't know, in my brain, I thought I was going to be up every three hours pumping or I, I was like, I don't know. I just like expected it to be so much harder than it would be. And I think with her insight to me, I felt so much more calm going into breastfeeding and preparing when to give her the bottle, when not to give her the bottle, when to start pumping, how to use my pump, like all of these things that I was like, gosh, I don't want to have to deal with postpartum. It was really helpful. She was just such an angel. And still after postpartum, she was such a great go-to for me. Yeah, and they may even be covered by your insurance company. So yes. even though it seems like a expensive out-of-pocket thing, it may not be. So you just look into that. Great. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yep, she was as well. It was wonderful. Okay. Anybody else on your birth team that we left out? Oh, my goodness. That's such a big birth team. No. I, I mean, that <laughs> that really is the main the – main, I, I mean, I would kind of say my hypnobirthing – instructor or like at least my audios and meditations I would yeah. even call that kind of part of my birth team because that voice and those meditations were such a, a whole a big support for me um but that you know I wouldn't necessarily say they were there physically but that really did help prepare me for um that um mental emotional type of state okay all right now let's get into it let's talk about the birth itself Oh my goodness. My birth was 26 and a half hours, Steph. So we have a lot to talk about, but I'm going to try to give you just the highlights. Uh, 
<laughs> the first thing I just want to remind you, like when I first said this in the beginning of the podcast, is that I went into it so excited. I mean, I was like, I got this. <laughs> I was in the best shape of my life. I was doing yoga and Pilates. I mean, I was just walking every day. I was really, really mindful of just my body and 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 the positioning of baby. And I was just so excited. I was almost like thrilled for the challenge. I think some people go into it scared. Some people go into it excited. I was definitely a lot very excited. And it, it kind of took me for such a roller coaster that at the end, it got me out. I, I, I would say I almost feel a little bit like traumatized by the whole thing. And it was such like a shift in emotion. And I'll explain to you all the ups and downs. And at the end, I do just want to preface that it was incredibly thrilling and one of the most transformative experiences I've ever had in my life. I, I think if my labor wasn't as hard as it was, I wouldn't have had that type of transformational experience. So we're all designed to have the labors that we're supposed to have. This is the one that I was meant to have, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, but I do want to say that it wasn't necessarily as planned, and it was perfect. <laughs> so let's go into a little bit some of like how it all started. So I was having Braxton Hicks all week long. I thought, you know, that's normal, but I always thought like, okay, maybe today's the day. I'm, it's 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 gonna happen. But then, you know, the contractions would stop. That's very common. It just wouldn't really mount to anything. And so I got really antsy. I was about 41 and a half weeks at that time. And I just was like, gosh, I want to meet my baby girl. Like, let's do this already. So I was just convincing my husband, Anthony. I was like, Anth, we need to have sex, like often, like at any time that we can, we need to like induce this, please. And he was like, yeah, but like at this point, I feel like you're so big. <laughs> and like, I feel like, like I'm hurting baby. And I was like, hey there, buddy, like you need to help me, you know, like, please. And I was like, come on, like we can do this. One thing I would say that I do regret and I wouldn't do next time is I would not have sex right before going to sleep. <laughs> so Anthony and I had sex January 21st right before going to sleep, which did induce my contractions. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is it. Like I could feel it. It's, it's more like menstrual cramps. It wasn't Braxton Hicks. And I felt like, okay, no, this is labor. And I called my midwives. I was so excited. Okay, this is it. I know this isn't Braxton Hicks. I know this isn't false labor. I've got this. And she goes, okay, look, it's 10 p.m. right now. You need to get as much sleep as possible. Have a glass of wine, get in the shower, and go to bed. And my jaw dropped. I was like, hold on, you want me to have wine? She goes, yep, have wine. I'm like, okay, cool. This is great. I haven't had wine in nine months, so, you know, or even longer prepping for pregnancy. So I poured my glass, I poured a glass of wine. I got in the shower. I'm literally in the shower drinking a glass of wine. It was awesome. I've never <laughs> done that before. And I'm like moving my hips and I'm like so excited. Baby's coming. I'm going to get to meet her. It was January 21st and I knew for sure, okay, her birthday's going to be January 22nd. This is so cool. It's going to be 122. We got married on 11-11. All these numbers like are so fun. Like I, I love playing this numbers game. So I already now fixated that she's going to be born on January 26th, 22nd. I had like this whole plan in my mind. This is going to be awesome. By the morning, I'm going to meet her. <laughs> so I'm already like making these assumptions and making these plans, which I, which wasn't in my favor. I don't, I don't obviously, um, 
recommend people doing that. Just really just going with it and letting your body do its thing. But I'm such a planner. That was like where my head went. So I'm in the shower having my glass of wine. I get out of the shower. I get into bed and I try to go to sleep. And my contractions were too strong. It really brought me out of bed and I couldn't sleep. So I got up. I walked around and I let Anthony continue to sleep. I knew one of us needed to continue just to get some rest. So he was sleeping and I was walking around. And I called my duel and I said, look, my contractions are now four minutes apart. Like, I think this is going to go fast. Come on over. She got there around 2 a.m. And so now Meredith, my duel, is with me. And we're in the bathroom together. Anthony's still sleeping. We're going through the contractions. And she's timing it. And reliably, they're four minutes apart. And we're like, oh, goodness. Like, okay, it's consistent. Let's keep on going. And she's helping me in different positions. And she goes, gosh, you're progressing so quickly. I think this is going to happen pretty soon. I said, okay, great. This is so exciting. We finally woke up Anthony just to say, hey, you know, I think this is going to be soon. You know, I'm I'm reliably um, four minutes apart. And then my midwife comes. My midwife comes around 8 a.m. So now between 10, 8, 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., I've been just consistently having contractions. And the minute I saw my midwife come, I said, okay, great. We must be getting close. She's here. This is so fun. All right, I'm excited. I'm like, oh, I totally got this. Like, this isn't even as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> So I'm still going through contractions. It's now like, you know, she's doing an exam. I, I told her originally, I said, I don't want to know times. I don't want to know um, how dilated I am. I, I, you know, I just, I just want this process to go. So anytime you do an exam, just don't tell me any information. She did her exam. She got what she needed. She goes, okay, keep on going. So we're keep, we kept on going. Anthony at this point was a good support for me. Sometimes I said, hey, I need you to go downstairs or whatnot, but I'm just laboring really with my doula. It got to the point where it was now like around noon and my midwife does another exam and I'm just, I'm getting exhausted. I've been up since 10 PM. I'm just, I'm tired. I, you know, obviously I haven't slept all day, all night. And I'm like, okay, when is this baby coming? So we do the exam and my water, uh, my water breaks, I think at that time, or my water broke, I think a little bit later, but I said, all right, I'm getting really tired, Brooke, my midwife. I said, like, how much longer is this going to take? And she said, Ilana, you told me not to tell you times or anything. And I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm really tired now. Like I, I, I'm trying to nap. I can't nap. It's my contractions are a little bit too strong. I need you to just tell me times. And she goes, no, you told me not to. And I started arguing with her. I'm like, no, Brooke, like at this point, I'm like, I'm exhausted. So I need to know how much more time to push. She goes, okay, if you want to know times, she goes, you've been laboring for 15 hours now. And my guess is that you've got at least another five to 15 more hours to go. Hmm. And my jaw dropped. Like I've got chills all over my body. I remember I that moment <laughs> when she told me that. And I, I said to her, I'm like, that is impossible, Brooke. That is, there's no way I can't go that long. And she goes, well, this is your first labor, Ilana. This is not atypical. And I remember arguing with her and I said, are you kidding me? I have friends that have had labor within three hours or 10 hours. And you actually came to mind, Steph. I know you're, how long was your birth with Otto? 12 it was, hours? It, no, Otto was six to seven hours. Oh my God, six to seven. And yeah. I, and But at that moment, Steph, I made myself so wrong. I thought to yeah. myself, gosh, like, I must not be as strong as I thought I was. You know, like I just assumed that I was going to have a fast labor because a lot of my great friends who are so healthy and vibrant, like you and some other friends, I have a friend who had her baby in three hours. Her second baby was one hour. I was like, oh my God, that's so fast. I think I just assumed my labor was going to be under 12 hours. So I think I was just like, 
I planned for that. And so when she told me five to 15 hours, I was completely disempowered. I, I felt like I wanted to give up at that moment. And then I said to her, I'm like, I need to know how dilated I am. And she goes, no, you told me you don't want to know numbers. And I said, I don't care. At this point, it is a whole nother ball game. I need to know how dilated I am. So at that point, she told me I was three centimeters dilated. Mm. And I was in disbelief. I said, there's no way that's happening. In that moment, I said to her, we're going to the hospital. I need an epidural. And the entire birth team looked at me like, are you crazy? What? No way. Like you're fine. Like we can keep on going. And I said, Nope, everyone pack up. We're going to the hospital. My husband looked at me like, uh, are we going to like talk about this? And I said, Nope, this is my decision. <laughs> like I totally disregarded him. And, and my midwife looked at me and said, Ilana, I know you want a home birth. Let me go through. If you want to go to the hospital, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to get dressed. We're going to pack up the car. We're going to check into the hospital. You're going to have to sit in the waiting room. We're going to have to sign all the paperwork. You're going to have to sign consent forms and everything. If there's any complications, you are already 15 hours into labor. Your risks of going into C-section are X, Y, and Z. She just laid it all out for me. I love that she did that for you. Oh, it was actually really powerful because really the thing that got to me the most was (laughs) I didn't even care about like all the protocol in the hospital. I said to her, I'm like, I don't want to get dressed. <laughs> yeah. No, I was you're like, in the zone. I do not want to get dressed and I do not want to get in the car. Like, are you kidding? I have to preface this by saying it was really important for me to have sexy lingerie on during my birth. <laughs> <laughs> and so like I was in this like cute little sexy outfit and I was like, what? Like, I don't want to have to get dressed, go in the hospital and put on this ugly gown. <laughs> hey, whatever you need. <laughs> It was so funny, but like it was part of like my my mental focus where I was like, look, I want this experience to be like just beautiful, you know, and like, yes, it could be painful, but I I really envision this just like beautiful time for Anthony and I to connect and to have this baby and to see what like this woman's body can really do is so thrilling to me. And so one of the things was I put on this awesome outfit. So I was in this like sexy lingerie and I was like, I do not want to have to get dressed. <laughs> so in that moment, I said to myself, okay, I've got a choice. My tools are going to the hospital and getting an epidural or, oh, oh my goodness. I have a homeopath on call. I have an acupuncturist on call. I have a chiropractor on call. Ilana, you have other tools. And it didn't dawn on me until I had to just sit back and really realize that I'm planned for worst case scenarios like this. And although I went into it thinking I would never have to use it, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, I'd be totally fine. There's no way I'm going to have to use it. I was able to. Like, I had what I needed. And it was so powerful that I was like, okay, great. Call the homeopath. And that's what we started with. So what I first did was I knew enough at that point to prescribe on my own. I said to myself, okay, if I can at least get the first remedy on my own, since obviously I prescribe so often, I know what I'm doing. But after that, in the meantime, call Gabrielle, have her come over. So the first remedy that I knew to prescribe to myself was Pulsatella. And I don't want to go into too many um um, too much information about homeopathy because I do, I, we're going to invite uh, Gabrielle on um, in a, a future episode, a future podcast to really interview her so you guys can learn about homeopathy and its power and labor. But I do want to give you some insight into pulsatilla because that was the one remedy that I thought made such a huge difference. It turned me from wanting to get in the car and go to the hospital to saying, okay, let's stay at home. 
Pulsatilla is indicated for slow progression, so slow to progress of, of labor. A rigid os, so your cervix has the opening called the os, so when it's rigid and it's not dilating fast enough, which is exactly what was happening for me, going only three centimeters at that time. The mood is very weepy. It's, it's very like helpless and hopeless. Um, just based on those indications alone, being exhausted and ready to give up, I felt like Pulsatilla was the right remedy for me. So I instructed my midwife to take the pellets and actually put it right on my cervix. It's a She didn't even know that that was something that happened. Not a lot of people know to do that, but homeopathy works really well just on any mucous membrane, whether it's in your mouth being dissolved or right on the cervix. And I wanted as much local contact as possible. She took a few pellets, she inserted it right on my cervix, and right away, I started, I started bleeding, I st my water broke at that point. Within a 30-minute time, she did an exam uh, in 30 minutes, I went from 3 centimeters to 5 centimeters. And that right there took me from early into active labor, and I started, my contractions were much, much more, much stronger. And at that point, I hid in, the in, in my uh, bathroom just with my doula. I was in there for probably three or four more hours, and I was in full active labor at that time. And I get chills so much because if I didn't have that tool, I feel like it's very possible I would have just been so exhausted and just wanting to give up and go to the hospital. And I just loved that I had something else that I could do just to help stimulate my body to just give it that umph that it needed to just keep on going. The body knows exactly what it needs. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of stimulation. That's fascinating. I don't think a lot of people know that homeopathic remedies are helpful for labor itself. I know kids' remedies are really popular with things like teething and ear infections and coughing. They're becoming more well-known and recognized. But until you had mentioned it, I didn't even know that homeopathic remedies could be helpful during pregnancy. So I can't wait to hear that interview. I'm sure I'll take a lot of golden nuggets out of it, too. And I'm glad that you're here to share that. Uh, option with our listeners for sure. Yes, I think it's so underutilized, which is why I'm so happy to share that. I wrote a whole article on my birth in Homeopathy Today, which is a magazine obviously geared to people interested in homeopathy. And it's something that I feel so strongly about, just teaching people all the different remedies for labor and delivery. And there's so many great clinical pearls in that. So if you, if any of the guests have a desire to take a look at that, there's so much more information in that. Okay, so let's keep going with your birth story. Great. So, okay, you took the pulsatilla, you had it localized, you started to progress, you're in active labor, you're in the bathroom with your doula. Now what? Great. Okay, so now my homeopath comes, and now she's the one prescribing for me. She told me after my labor, because I didn't know this at this point, that she asked the midwife specifics about positioning of the baby and um, the location of where baby is and all of these things that... Um, I wouldn't have known to say for myself or to prescribe on my own. And so Gabrielle told me that the midwives told her that Aviva was sunny side up, otherwise known as in the posterior direction where her back was against my back. And that's not the ideal type of positioning for baby. This is a big reason why my labor was so long and also painful. Um, having a, a posterior position of baby also increases your risk for interventions and it just it really does draw out labor so one of the things that Gabrielle did was she prescribed remedies based on that positioning and my midwives put me in all crazy positions to really help Aviva move to an anterior position 
and that made the contractions also much more difficult. Um, in addition, Aviva's neck kept on flexing and extending. We really like the baby's neck as flexed as possible for an easier um, delivery, and Aviva just kept on moving her neck back and forth as, along with going from posterior to anterior. So this just complicated things a little bit more, made a little bit things um, tough. One of the things that it caused, especially um, towards the end of my labor, was because of her positioning, um, moms oftentimes has this like urge to push too early because the cervix becomes too swole, uh, swollen. Um, Aviva's head, like the hardest part of her head, was right at the opening of my cervix. And every time she would kind of move positioning, her head would kind of bounce on my anterior lip of the cervix and that would cause swelling. And the more swollen the cervix is, the more narrow the exit is for the baby to come out. And so we were really working on um, getting baby in the right position so my cervix stopped swelling so much and they would make me hold back my urge to push because I, my cervix wasn't dilated enough even though that urge was so strong. And the only thing that would alleviate the pain was for me to push. And it was this hours and hours of me having to hold back my urge to push that was so challenging for me. I think that was probably the, the most difficult part of my labor was that last probably two hours or so before even starting to push. The pushing was like not even the hard part to me. <laughs> I could just imagine that was probably a really awesome core workout though, right? Oh my goodness. It was nuts. <laughs> you know, but I thought what was fascinating stuff was I said afterwards, postpartum, you know, after having the baby and I was just able to talk to my midwives, I said, you know, back in the day when we didn't have someone instructing me not to push, I would have felt like I needed to push. Like my yeah. body was telling me, Ilana, you push, the baby's ready. And the midwife said, if you were to push, you could have torn your cervix. Yeah. You could have hemorrhaged. It would have been a. It would have been dangerous for both you and baby. And I was so surprised by that. I thought if you know if I didn't have the support that I did with people who really knew what was going on and really doing that you know cervical exam for me, I would have just kept on pushing and it would have been really tough even though you want to trust your body. So these midwives, they are so incredible. They really know how to take a difficult birth and help ease it. If I was in the hospital, I, there's no way I would have been able to do all those different positionings. And I was using the table, the floor, the doors, the walls. I was in, in and out of the tub. Like I just, I thought to myself, like, where would I have done this? I was moaning and groaning and I was just so happy that my midwives knew how to do all of these type of positionings, which really did help me have a vaginal birth that I wanted. Well, and then they get to know you so well during your prenatal visits. Oh, and yeah. You have that connection with them. So like you said, when you told her that you didn't want to know how far dilated you were and all those things, she really knew to respect that until you could have forced it out of her. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so just I could think to end with now the pushing phase. Um, so now finally I'm, you know, 10 centimeters. I'm like ready to push. And now they get me into the tub. Before I really wasn't using the tub, I was using my own bathtub. But now I'm ready to get into the, the birth tub and I and I put my first my foot in the tub and it is freezing. 
I don't know if I remember telling you this, Steph. I hope I did because this was like a big part yeah, too. It was so cold. My contraction started slowing down. I was so exhausted. I just wanted this baby to come out. It was about 10 p.m. at this point. So now at this point, we're 24 hours in. And I have this idea that I won her on January 22nd. I just had this like idea. This is what was important to me. And so the, the water was freezing. My contraction slowed down. All I wanted to do was just like push her out. I've gotten this far. I'm 10 centimeters now, 24 hours into it. And Anthony just tries to heat up the, the tub. He gets the um, hose from our shower. It squirts water everywhere in our bathroom. I guess the hose wasn't on properly. Water everywhere. The midwife start boiling water on the stove and I'm just sitting in this cold tub crying. And I'm like, I just want this to be over. Like I need to push at this point. So I'm waiting. It took at least 30 minutes or so just to really warm up everything and to get my contractions even going again. I'm feeling pressured for time. I want her at before midnight. I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And the pushing phase actually was really beautiful. Anthony got in the tub with me. He held on to me. I kept on whispering in his ear. I said, Anthony, I need your strength. Like I have nothing left. I was so depleted at this point. I had nothing and I still needed to generate energy to push Aviva out. I just, I think in my head, I also thought it was just going to be easy just to get her out. And it still took me energy to get her out. I'm not sure why I kind of went into it thinking it was going to be so simple. And so I'm just pushing and, and we have we have her vaginally. I didn't even tear. I was so happy. I just took all the instructions from my midwives of what to do and how to do it. Anthony coached me the whole time. He delivered. He caught Aviva. She came up from underwater right into our arms and right onto my chest. And I didn't even look at her for probably like 30 seconds. All I was, I was just in tears of joy that this was over. <laughs> in tears that she was just breathing and okay Anthony and I kissed each other and we looked down on her and her eyes just like opened so wide she was so alert and so just involved with what was happening and looking around and we were just sitting arm in arm in the tub just so happy and so joyful and to me it was like okay this whole thing is over we uh Delivered the placenta. That was fine and easy. They helped me out of the tub. We were in the tub for about 20 minutes even after having her. They, they tucked us into bed. She, They put her onto my chest and we just nursed and I didn't move out of my bed for hours. It was so beautiful and so wonderful at that point. We'll have to share the pictures of, you know, your last final pushes and you and Anthony in the tub and him giving you his strength. It is so beautiful. Yeah. I loved your pictures. And it maybe get maybe sad that I didn't get pictures done during mine because they tell such a story of the strength that you had and the strength that he gave you and the joy, the pure joy that when she came. I mean, you guys are both crying in the tub. I'm just tearing up thinking about that picture. Oh, I, uh, I know there's one on my Instagram account I'll have to post a few more then for people to see because it was so beautiful I'm so glad I had that all captured on video and on um, photos yes yeah, really special 
And did she latch right away? Did you have any issues there? No, you know, I got so lucky. Um, Aviva has yeah. a huge mouth. <laughs> I guess not from Anthony, not for me. Yeah. And so she really, she latched right away. And even Great. though when I had my lactation consultant come, she did get diagnosed with a lip and a tongue tie. She had both and they were pretty severe. Um, and we'll talk about that in later episodes. Uh, and we've talked about that. You've talked about that a lot in past episodes. But I was really surprised that she did latch so well. And nursing went really well. So we were really grateful grateful about that. And, um, it was a really special time. Um, I, I invited my family over after we had, um, Aviva and they were able to hang out with her while Anthony and I got just a couple hours of sleep because at this point, Oh, I should say we actually had her at 12, 19 AM. So right oh, into, so close. Yeah, so close <laughs> to it. So we had her on January 23rd. So her birthday is one, two, three, which oh, it, was too. a beautiful birthday too. And, um, but I do want to mention that I really made myself wrong for it, Stephanie, after the yeah. fact. I almost felt like I didn't do a good job or like I, I should have had her quicker or that like I may not have been healthy enough. Like why was it so long? Why was she posterior and why was her neck flexing and extending so much and why was my cervix dilating or uh, swelling up? And I was I really was hard on myself after the fact. And, you know, it was exactly how it was supposed to go, Steph, for the lessons that I got to learn and the the challenges that I was kind of able to overcome, it, it really made me feel like, um, like it, it helped me practice just letting go of my plans. Cause I did kind of envision and plan it so much. And if anything, that's what I would want to do with the listeners out there is be excited and, and have a vision and, 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 and have that. I mean, that's such a thrilling time and really accept all sit all different situations as perfect because it really is we really have so little control labor is not just the mom it's the baby and the mom together and you know for me maybe if I didn't have my contractions so late in the night maybe if it started at 10 a.m. instead of 10 p.m. and I had more energy maybe I would have progressed a little bit quicker who knows but it doesn't matter it was perfect I had everything that I needed and it was the labor that it was perfect for Aviva and for, for me to experience together. Beautifully said. And did you ever talk about these feelings of, you know, not doing a good enough job or not being prepared? Or did you get that closure or answers at all from your doula and midwife? Did they say anything to you? Not only my midwife and doula, but I actually... um I uh, scheduled a visit with my therapist. So Anthony and I see a a counselor. We do it preventatively. We do it when things arise. We love having just a support in our, in our partnership. And so I scheduled something within weeks after my birth, mostly because I knew I needed to complete that story for me or any incomplete feelings so that I can go into my next pregnancy and my next labor feeling totally clear of any, um, assumptions or any fears or any concerns that I would have. I really wanted to complete it as soon as possible and she really helped provide me with that. In fact, our our therapist happens to be a a midwife in like her past career. She was a midwife and then she turned into a therapist and so she was like the perfect person for me to to talk to because she can really relate to the experience. Oh, that's perfect. You have so many great people on your team. It makes me so happy to hear. They're so nurturing. Midwives are so nurturing. They're like the best like people. (laughs) I know. I, you know, Ilana, if I knew that babies would be born between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., I would be a midwife in a heartbeat. Yep, me too. I think that's such an amazing job. I even questioned my career path when I was doing my prenatal visits. And I said the same thing. If, If the timing wasn't the way it was, I would do this for sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're going to definitely have the your homeopathy your homeopath, right? Is yes, that the right homeopath. way to say your, yes. your homeopath on? Um, we're even going to have our husbands on to talk about their side of the story and what our husbands felt and what they saw and what they thought and some advice for our listeners' partners uh, during labor. So that's going to come up too. So with that being said, is there anything else that you want to share about your labor? Anything maybe you'd do differently next time or any lessons that you learned about preparing for labor, labor itself, or healing that you want our listeners to know about if they're in their final weeks? I love it. So definitely I would do something differently next time is not have sex right before going to sleep to induce labor. (laughs) (laughs) I would save that for morning or afternoon, please. So maybe just a bit of advice. Um, Definitely nap as much as possible, um, even starting at 37 weeks, because you really know, you don't know when baby's going to come. And that day in particular, I wasn't able to nap. I was kind of going from place to place. And I think that also wasn't in the best interest of just my endurance. And, and exhaustion in that regard. And the last thing I would say is um, one thing that I think is important, and we'll talk more about this when Gabrielle's on the show, is for homeopath, for homeopathy in general, homeopathy is really powerful in pregnancy and labor. And what was really helpful was when I figured out what what remedies I reacted to well during my pregnancy, that actually helped me the most during labor um, for Gabrielle to prescribe to me. So one of the things that it's important if you are pregnant now is to start kind of playing around with some remedies or, you know, hire a homeopath or a naturopathic doctor who does homeopathy to see if you have back pain or nausea or difficulty sleeping. Some of the remedies that can help you now during pregnancy would actually give us a good clue into what remedies will help you during labor. You'd be very surprised how they overlap. So if you are pregnant now or thinking about it, I would get say get on that right now and start playing around with it because it's so helpful to know that ahead of time. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, thanks for asking. This was really fun for me to revisit it. All right. And please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice. It shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions and are intended for general information purposes only. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast to help us spread the real food word. We also invite you to visit our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com, to find past episodes, leave comments, and ask questions for future shows. We'd love to hear from you. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture you and your family.